Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. I'm your host, Steve Smith, and I'm excited to bring this one to you. I have for you another episode of Australian Turf Analysis, Keeper of the Greens, and this time I recorded this one a couple of weeks ago with newly appointed superintendent of Royal Perth Golf Club, Matthew Souls. I'm really pumped about this one. Super excited to bring this to you from the other side of the country, Western Australia, that borders the Indian Ocean. So as we get to this one being the final episode of the year 2021 that I'm going to bring to you, this is episode number 37. Now, before we get stuck into Keeper of the Greens, I should let you know that Keeper of the Greens is brought to you by our partners at the Golf and Greenkeeper podcast, that being Australian Turf Analysis. As a greenkeeper, as a golf course superintendent, have you ever wanted the ability to see into the future of your turf's health and easily share it with stakeholders and team members? I know it certainly would have made my life so much easier when I was a super, that's for sure. Now, Australian Turf Analysis has state-of-the-art drone technology that can see into your turf's future future health with a flight over your course to show you just what's happening before it's visible to the trained eye of a greenkeeper. You're probably wondering how they can show you the health of your turf. Well, their drone has a multi-spectral lens attached to it along with super intelligent software that measures and calculates turf stress and correlates the data for you in a very easy to read graphic map along with other formats available. Now, it was only a couple of weeks ago that I went out and saw this in action with John Legg from Australian Turf Analysis and I've got to tell you, it was sensational stuff. And the, the maps that they bring up, that they, that they correlate and put forward and bring all the data together for you are really a fantastic way for you to see what parts of the course are starting to get under stress before it's visible, before they start showing visible signs on the leaf themselves of the plant as it is actually out there on site. So you're seeing this stuff before the plant starts to show physical signs. And that's really important. That's key certainly at this time of the year in summertime. Now, when we think new technology, we often think many dollar signs, but I can assure you that once you get a quote from John to survey your course, you will be searching for reasons why you shouldn't use this technology to help maintain your golf course. It really is that affordable, guys. I cannot stress that enough to you, which is what is so good about it. Now, John Leggett Australian Turf Analysis is your certified and fully insured drone pilot to make sure all of those paperwork bases are covered so you don't have to worry no matter where you are in Australia. Now for the good part, for any new first-time customers of Australian Turf Analysis, they are offering you a 10% discount on your first service if you mention this podcast, the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. So I'll ask you now, head on over to AustralianTurfAnalysis.com to get in touch with John for a quote and I promise you, you will absolutely be kicking yourself as to why you haven't done it sooner. So get over there to AustralianServanalysis.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to welcome you once again to Keeper of the Green segment. This time, I'm really excited, no matter where you are listening on this round rock of ours called Earth, and maybe in the future, it could be somewhere else. Who knows where they're going to pick this up? But I want to take us to somewhere we haven't been yet, and we're going to cross the country virtually, of course, because it's still very difficult to get over there. We're going into Western Australia, the ironclad state that it's become, and we're going straight into Perth. And we're going to a very, very special golf club in Perth to Royal Perth Golf Club, where I've got on the line Superintendent Matthew Souls. G'day, Matthew. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Steve. How are you? 
Mate, I'm very well. Thank you for saying yes to being on the podcast. I'm really excited to be able to venture into WA and talk a little bit about what's happening over there in such a, a lovely golf club at Royal Perth Golf Club. And, and we're going to touch on your history because you're new to the role over there, very new indeed. How long have you been working there now, mate? You've only just got inside. Yeah, so I've been on the ground for three weeks now, um, two weeks prior to that being in quarantine. Um, but basically, I signed the contract in August and I've been working for Royal Perth since August from wow. yeah, from an office back in Sydney and yeah. working at the Australian Golf Club uh, proceeding with that as well. Okay, mate. Well, there's a lot to talk about in that along with your career to date. So what I'm going to do is we'll just push pause on that. And I just wanted to make it clear that, that you are new, you are fresh to being on site. You've lost two weeks of your life in, in a box with a window. And <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to that at some point through our chat. But mate, we always start with a bit of fun. I do enjoy this one. So we're going to start off with Steve's Super 7 questions. You ready to rock and roll for some quick answers? Let's go. All right, mate, let's rock. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Oh, no way. We've gone against it. This is the first. All right, let's pause already. This is the first time we've had a superintendent or a greenkeeper that says sunset. Is this because you're new to Perth and the sun is set over the water as opposed as opposed to rising in the east over the water? What's that all about? You, you, you hit it in one. You know, the, 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 day, the day we got out of the quarantine go out to Cottesloe Beach and you just see the sunset over the water. Um, it's just something different and, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's a great time to be on the golf course as well. You That's, know, uh, yeah, mate, I'm really impressed with that answer and it is really unusual when, look, most of the country's population in Australia is on the East Coast, yep. so it, it's all about seeing the sunrise over the water and set over the land, but it's strange when it's in the evening that you see the sun disappear behind water. Yeah, yeah, it just set, sets off this magical glow about the place and, you know, the sun will go, it'll, be, it'll, it'll disappear, but the, the, it's still light going around the, the, the area, it's... It's something magical about this place over here. You know, Mate, it's, the, that... it's the untapped market, they say. Oh, look, I'm already excited and getting goosebumps about this. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to what we've got to talk about and what the future lays ahead for, for Royal Perth. But we continue on. This is meant to be quick. We've already dived into a hole here. This is meant to be quick <laughs> questions. So we've only got the one. Right, let's go to number two. We're going to go to course appearance questions. Are you a fan or do you have a preference for stripes or no stripes on fairways? Uh, definitely stripes. Okay, very good. We'll move on because we've taken up too much time with number one. <laughs> number three, preferred look of a golf course, lean or lush? Lush. Okay, very good, very good. Favourite green surface. Now, bent grass, cooch grass or something else, and we've already gone down another road with something else over there in, in WA, so I'm curious to see which way you're going to go here. Yeah, definitely bent grass. Bent grass, okay. That, that's good. I think, I think it's a we, – we all know, as golfers, as greenkeepers, we know how good a surface bent does, along with the others, but it, it is a wonderful surface. Number five, mate, where do you prefer to maintain a golf course? Cool climate or warm climate? Yeah, so I've only done Sydney and Perth, and the the, the three weeks I've been in, in Perth, it's definitely warm. 
definitely warm climate. It's it, it's just a lot easier, I think. Well, yeah, I, I'm saying that with you know a, a virgin uh, taste to this uh, heat that Perth can provide, but it just the grass loves it. Yeah, look, you're right. It does. It does. It makes it makes grain keeping a lot easier. And and from a look from a golf perspective, if you've got warm climate, you can play year round quite comfortably. So, it, it is a good thing, mate. Number six, we're going to go to favourite bunker styles. Do you prefer St Andrews, Kingston Heath, or Augusta National? Which one's your pick? To go with the answers before, it's definitely Augusta National. <laughs> I think we're seeing a theme of your taste, mate, and I think that's it's it's wonderful to see it come out in these questions, which is the idea. And the final question, if you could visit one golf course anywhere on the planet tomorrow, which one would it be? Ah, again, Augusta National. Oh, Augusta. We've, we've got that. We know we know what you like, and, and I think it's yeah. it stands out quite well. So that's very good, mate. Well done on seven well, six quick answers and one quite yeah. long-winded one that was really interesting. So it's good. Yeah, Very the, good. The, the Very funny good. thing is, you know, the taste that I have in the golf course um, uh, look uh, probably goes against everything that we're trying to achieve here in rural Perth. Well, and, and that's I think that's probably something that we can separate and let's do it now. Why not? We can separate yeah. from personal taste to the professional side of being a greenkeeper and a superintendent that at the end of the day your skills your knowledge and what you're capable of doing in 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 putting down direction and leading a team um is you're there to do a job and that you 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 can put aside your tastes as what you like look i like going out for a steak at night but that doesn't mean that i won't go out and enjoy uh you know a japanese meal i mean we can you can do that quite well as a professional. And I think that's important for, for people and golfers to understand and, and board members and committee members that, that are running golf clubs as well to know that if you have a certain preference in taste of a style of golf course, that doesn't mean you can't deliver on a, on a style of a golf course that might be something else because you're a professional and you can yeah, put that definitely. You can put that down and say, this is what we're here to do. So let's go out there and make it happen. So yeah, most definitely. It, it, but, it just adds to your arsenal, you know, the, the, the working at the Australian Golf Club. It's America. But then I come over here and we want something different that's very natural to Australia. It, it's just another tool that you can add uh, to your arsenal and you build up that arsenal over time. And you're a well-seasoned, all-round sort of manager as well. 100%, mate. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Well done. So, mate, look, let's start at the beginning because I think your story, a lot of what we're going to talk about today whilst you're at Royal Perth now, it's going to be a little bit more about your experience to this point because you haven't had a lot of time on the ground at Royal Perth. So let's let, let's dive into how you got into greenkeeping and then sort of how you've got to a two-week lock-up in a box with a window, like I said, and then getting yeah. it started at Royal Perth. Mate, how did it begin for you? Yeah, so I basically just fell into greenkeeping. I wasn't – I'm not really a golfer. don't really like to play the sport. I'll play it if I have to. Sure. Um, basically, you know, I, I applied for a landscaping apprenticeship because I thought that's where the money was. Um, you know, it's all about the money when you're young. And got, got basically offered a few jobs with, with companies, but they just didn't align with my views at the time. So put in for a job at, at Cogra Golf Club as an apprentice greenkeeper. Didn't and that's in that. Sydney. I, I yeah, should clarify Sydney. that we're in Sydney and that's in the southern yeah. suburbs of Sydney down there. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, I didn't hear back from them. 
And I was, oh, okay, what's going on here? But then I get a call from Bardwell Valley Golf Club. So, again, another club in, in sort of the, the suburban suburbs of Sydney. And they just said, come in for, a, for an interview and haven't looked back since. That's where it all started, just from a phone call from applying for a job at a club. And, you know, here we are across the country wow. at, at Royal Perth. And, and this is part of what I, I love to chat to, to current superintendents or anyone who's been in greenkeeping. It doesn't matter what level you are and what age you are, whether you're in the industry, out of the industry. I like to hear how it sort of happens to the journey because that's a really interesting story and travel. And, and like you said, now you're on the other side of the country. And I bet <laughs> all those years ago when you started Bardwell Valley that you never in your wildest dreams would have thought you'd end up in Perth. To be, to be completely honest with you, Steve, I didn't think I would have stayed in this industry. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just the way that, um, I don't know, my life was headed and then I, I well, we'll go on to sort of a, a deeper topic, but I left Bardwell and that's where, you know, I sort of really fell in love with the industry at my right. second job. Yeah. Okay. So how long did you do at Bardwell? Did you finish your time there? No. So we spent about two years at Bardwell. Now, uh, there was a few things that happened at the club and we we all sort of upped and left. Okay. Difficult time, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Financial hardships for the club and and whatnot. But, you know, we we moved on to uh, Cronulla Golf Club. Okay. Yeah. So I finished my apprenticeship at Cronulla Golf Club. Very good. Um, yeah, yeah, under Greg Marshall and and whatnot, and they, I can't thank them enough for you know taking me in as a as an apprentice, putting me through the certificate four, going through the diploma, getting getting in love with the industry, and that's the higher level of um, qualification as well. Doing the diploma, that's extra study, isn't it? On top yeah. of the standard sort of three years at TAFE, and then we do a four year time apprenticeship. You become qualified as a as a base level, you know, standard yeah. qualified greenkeeper. And then there's this extra step you can do a diploma, which is, I think, cert, is it cert four? It's a diploma. It's another one. Yeah, so there's a certificate. There was a certificate four, uh, okay. which they, they no longer, TAFE, TAFE New South Wales no longer. Uh, there you go. I'm showing my age. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I went through that that course as well. And after the level four, they, they put the diploma. But, you know, as you say, it's just a great way to – to develop your skills, develop that knowledge that, you know, I'm still using the information that I went through all those years ago. Today. What, you mean You mean it's not like learning Pythagoras in year nine maths. You actually, <laughs> it's it's something that we can, we can well, I shouldn't say that because we'd still use that stuff working out areas, but yeah. it's something that is it's really useful. These aren't things that you just go, oh, look, one day it might be hot. These are really useful skills and knowledge to taking that next step. And we're going to talk about those as you go from yeah. Cronulla, no doubt. But was that interesting, I suppose, or you, how were you feeling at that time, that difficult time? And I'm not saying let's go into the detail, but when you're halfway through an apprenticeship, and I don't know what that's like because that didn't happen to me, but yeah. that would have been challenging as a young person wondering what's next, was yeah, it? It basically was, you know, the the whole the whole process of what did transpire at that time, it basically felt like um, we as individual workers did the wrong thing and it, it sort of 
eats away at you sometimes, but you realize at the end of the day, you're just a worker. You, you're not the one that's meant to be paying the uh, superannuation. Your employer does. So you just let the ATO sort of fix that and you just move on with your life. But Mate, the, the clubs and uh, they're a business and certain things yeah. are done. No doubt they're quite a different place since yeah. then. We, we can, um, you know, only assume and, and I'm sure that's the case. But you've moved then, you went to Cronulla. Yeah. And being picked up in a new team by a new club, that would have felt pretty, pretty bloody good, to be it honest. Was, I'm sure. Yeah, it was to 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 sort of come in, and they they were just all welcoming. You know, the at the end of the day, it's just a team. You're there to work. You're there to be a professional, which was great. Um, but to go from Bardwell to Cronulla was such a step up in in facilities, in in golf conditions, in in everything, and. I thought Bardwell was the best when I was there. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, you take that next step up to that member's private club. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is what it's meant to look like. <laughs> this th- is the next th- level. Yeah, exactly. And throughout my career, it's just sort of been up and up and up and up until you get to the, the pinnacle of, you know, volunteering at, at the, the Australian Open in 2014 after their reconstruction. It's like, oh, I was blinded. This is what it's meant to be. <laughs> There's always a next level and you yeah. don't know what that is until you climb and stick your head up there and go, this is my new aspiration. This is where I want to get to in my career. I, I would love to be able to be part of this next step. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to meet all, all different people from around the world in, in, during that 2014 Open, you know, I, I stay in touch with some of them now. Which- That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And look, that that leads on to one of the roles I did take. But finishing the diploma at Cronulla, you sort of feel like, okay, I've gone through the studies. Now I need to take that management step. I've learned what to do. I've implemented a lot of programs, but I need the the buck to stop with me as well. Mm -hmm. So the... 2IC job, the assistant superintendent job came up at Roseville Golf Club on the okay, yep. on, on the North Shore of Sydney. And you know, the amount of people that have come through Sully and gone off to be, you know, superintendents or assistant superintendents of really high profile facilities, I thought let let me jump at that and yep. let me learn from, you know, a guy that has been there for so long, but he's still there's something about Sully that you know, he he just gives you the tools that you need to to succeed. Mate, it's um, you've got to have that mentor in your career along the way. Yeah, for sure. And for, sure. for you, that time spent at Roseville was obviously well worth well worth every minute. Well, it gave me the the skill set to manage bent grass under extreme stressful conditions because of the high standards of that lower North Shore. Um, pool of golf clubs that you have to have high standards or members will just jump around and just move clubs so if, if your golf course isn't up to scratch they'll just move and of course we know certainly here in sydney and i'm on the, the the northern beaches i know where roseville is i haven't been there myself but i know where it is and you talk about it's in that group of the the Calaras, the avondales and and yeah. those sorts of pimbles and and the like you talk about the membership expectation but dealing with bent grass in sydney summer is very challenging at best with the high humidity for long periods of time. 
and that's that's on edge of seat stuff day in day out in the peak of summer. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and to go through three seasons at Roseville while putting in a brand new irrigation system in having no water to some bent grasses at times, it, you know, it, it's very stressful and throw the the drought of 2016, 17, 18, oh sorry, 16 and 17 in there, you know, it was a challenging time. And we got through. Yep. As a good but, team does. Well, exactly. It's, it's all about that um, camaraderie with the group. And you're not there for, a, you're not there as an individual. You know, you, you build that, that cohesion with your team through, through. And you, know, and you were, that. and you like, and I think you touched on it there a little bit. You, you're going to say that you work for each other. And, and I often hear the analogy talking to a lot of people, certainly guys that are probably in their latter parts of their career and how they've managed so many teams through different courses and different environments. It's, it's working for each other. It's that football environment, which like I said, is an analogy we hear a lot in that. Yeah. We know sports so well in this country. We know many codes of football and how that works. And it's really that, like you said, that cohesive team becomes so utterly important in, in making a golf course tick and function day in, day out. Yeah, Definitely. And, and and you mentioning that point leads me on to my next role, which was at the Australian Golf Club. Now, that's now, a step and a half, mate, I've got yeah, to say. Yeah. You talk exactly about right. – you, you've, you've picked – we're talking about these levels that we've gone along from Barville to Cronulla to Roseville, then the Aussie. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you're really climbing these steps really quite well through your career, it sounds. Yeah. You, you, look, you don't get much bigger than that club in, in this country. There's probably a few down in Melbourne. But in yep. Sydney, uh, it, it is sort of that pinnacle of, yes. of, of golf, golf course management as well. So tell um, us about the Aussie, mate. Where, when, yeah. when did that start for you? And I'm sure there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, so that's, that kicked off the summer of 2018, uh, okay. leading into the 2019 tournament. So the, the prep for that tournament to get privy to that side of things. You know, it's all good and well coming in 2014 as a volunteer. Everything's done for you. You walk in and the place is absolutely stunning. Um, but to come in as a, as a manager that year out, you know, we're, we're doing the planning three years. They were doing the planning three years before the, the tournament's coming. I've come in at the, the tail end of that to a a team of 20 people, which swelled up to, you know, 50, 55 people for a tournament um, to come from teams of 10 to 12 to managing 20 to 50. That was challenging in itself. Um, and, and just working with Phil was probably one of the best decisions I made in my career. So we're talking about here, you know, that there's a, a four-year planning lead-up to hosting yeah. The Open, the Australian yeah. Men's Open, yeah, and and that in itself is a very long time frame that but most my, my, people wouldn't have a clue about. Yeah, mind you, they they held the the Open in 2014, 2015, yep. 2017, and then again in 19. So it's it's just a culmination of all those years planning, uh, and each year getting easier as you go through, because you get to know the golf course, you get to know how far you can push things and, yep. uh, and, and all of that. But, you know, so what, there is so much planning that goes on behind the scenes to get people from interstate, from international to come across as a volunteer. There's, uh, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes with, with that. 
Indeed. And we're, and we're talking about your the superintendent at the time was Phil Beale, who's very well respected in the industry and still is, even though he's no longer at the Australian. And you were in what position? What position did you come in at that I, time? Yeah, came in as uh, 3IC, so under Phil and then Dave Smith. Okay. Yeah, and basically what, what the role entailed was playing the tournament. Okay, okay, no no dramas. I'll just get thrown straight into the deep end. But I love challenges, and and I've landed in Perth. That's exactly right. So, mate, if you if you don't mind, I'm curious to learn a bit more, and certainly to 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 talk about and and explain to the listeners of this podcast what goes into because 2019 was a very difficult and challenging dry year because we yeah. know that the Australian Open had the smoke from the bushfire yeah. surrounding Sydney. We know how difficult, like that 12 months leading to that tournament was going to be, unbeknownst to you, extremely challenging because you're watching the days unfold. And, you know, we're, no, I don't know where you were living at the time, but there was threats to people's homes from bushfires. It was, the, the, it was a very difficult time on so many levels across the east coast of Australia that year. And you're trying to build up a golf course to present for, for essentially world television, one of the biggest tournaments in this country, certainly on the men's calendar. Yeah, definitely. And to to go through water restrictions and and you know lack lack of rainfall due to climatic conditions, and to have inside the ropes um, present absolutely flawless. You know, from a greenkeeper's eye, there were a few imperfections, but on the TV, you could not pick a thing. Sure, it, and it, no doubt, behind the scenes, you're, you know, it's the it's the challenge of of everything happening all the time. There's th- there's yeah. things changing. You've got to move as those things raise their heads and and deal with it and make sure that it's it's perfection. Like you say, that's the goal. So, what sort of things were did you have to do? Was there anything specifically that, that jumps into your head that was particularly challenging in that twelve months lead up? Yeah, oh, you know, finding my feet and and uh, and understanding the good habits that the Australian Golf Club need on a day to day basis to come through the ranks of, you know, a, a smaller suburban course to go to a members private to another members private to take that step to a tournament um, golf course. It's just in another stratosphere. And day-to-day operations at the Australian Golf Club were basically the Pro-Am or the club championship times at the other clubs. And that's and, the level of everyday expectation. Yeah, yeah, day-to-day, yeah, basically. Wow. Yeah, but, you know, you, you don't create diamonds without pressure, do you? No, that's right. And a tournament prep is, is a pressure cooker. Yeah, definitely. But the the benefit that, that the Australian have is the name um, and every, everyone did want to come and be that volunteer at the Australian Golf Club because, you know, it's the Australian Golf Club. But how often do you get to have a have a walk around that club? How often do you get to see it? It's an opportunity for any greenkeeper that, you know, if it does come up in the future, I, I would dare say, you know, throw your hand at it and, and ha- have a go. Yeah, because they do put a call out for volunteers, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up so, the tournaments. 
So yeah. when you when you're doing the the tournament prep, you're getting close to the event. Everything's getting really on edge to make sure that we can continue to present it for the te- for the TV, basically, and yeah. for the event itself. I mean, it's the biggest event on the men's calendar in this country. So you said that your your staff swelled to fifty odd. Yeah. You were getting volunteers. Did you have many international volunteers? Yeah, we we had uh, we had three internationals. One one came from England, one came from uh, Scotland, and then there was an, an American as well. Wow! So, yeah, you know the the logistics to get the the internationals across was was quite interesting. You know, booking flights getting accommodation for them, um, rooming them up with the right person and, you know, doing that, that job planning for, for the tournament without knowing their strong sets and their skill sets to, to have a, a tournament run seamlessly with not knowing the, the, the volunteers that are coming in. Um, you know, it's a credit to the staff at, at the time at the Australian Golf Club that they just... Uh, just you know, took took the volunteers under their wing and and showed them you know what we expect, what we need them to do, and and how to do it properly. You know, and, and again, this just comes down to the culture that was at the Australian Golf Club. Very very impressive, no doubt. Like you said, and, and Phil Beal at the helm, um, who who'd done a number of the the men's opens there that um, from memory. Um, yeah. Plus, you had the when was the remodel done? Just before, yeah. what year was the remodeling done before yeah, you arrived? So, uh, so the, the, the reconstruction uh, was finished in 2013, 2012 to 2013. So it was about a okay. nine-month turnaround at, yeah, right. at the Australian Golf Club. But, you know, the, the, the challenging part of my career, so we're, we're planning for a tournament. We're, we're getting volunteers coming left, right and centre. But... I've gone to do extra study on the side as well. So I've thrown another thing on my plate. I've um, decided to go back and, and teach at TAFE. So I've gone to do the, 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 the course to learn how to be a trainer and assessor. Yeah, right. And, yeah, just to throw another thing on my just plate. To, why not, mate? Uh, clearly you weren't busy enough. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but the, that course there, again, any turf manager or anyone that's listening to this podcast, if, if you want to learn how to work with people and how people learn, it's a great course. It, is, it definitely is. Mate, very challenging times and, and, and exciting. Like you said, it's a pressure environment, a tournament being part of that, that leadership group and getting it prepped for the, the largest event in, in the men's golf calendar in this country. I just mentioned before how difficult the year was with dry. There was heavy water restrictions in Sydney. I don't know what water source you guys had there at the Australian, whether there was a mix of all sorts of things. But that aside, it's still extremely dry, humid air. That in itself is sucking moisture through the plant out of the soil. You know, that year from memory, there were days down in the single figures of humidity. Now that on its own, and you put 35 degrees in the shade temperature, you know, you're going to watch grass fail in front of you, more or less. You, you really, it's edge of seat stuff, like I said, and this is for the biggest event of the year. Yeah, it, look, uh, it just comes down to great management as well. You, at the end of the day, like I, I've employed some techniques currently um, in Perth because similar conditions to what, what, what we faced then, but 
your plans and your programs that you put in place, it's all about confidence in, in chemistries and confidence in what you're doing. If you don't have that confidence, that's when you're going to run into issues and you're going to second guess yourself and, and things will go wrong. And that, that's one thing that, you know, the Australian Golf Club did, did teach me uh, through my time there was just have confidence in yourself and, and your decisions. Big thing, confidence. Yeah, but then it's a fine edge, isn't it? You have too, <laughs> it is. too much confidence is when you start to run into trouble as well. So you, exactly. you've, got to be, you've got to be humble and understand that, you know, sometimes you don't know everything and you ask the people that have been there and been through things before you as well. Yep, and, absolutely. You, you've, always got to, you've always got to be wise enough and humble enough, like you mentioned, to know that you don't know everything, even though you want to, you're going into any of those situations and roles that you take on in your career where you think, well, I'm good enough to do this because I know most of, the, of what I'm going to encounter. But you don't know everything. So, mate, very insightful, very, very much so. We'll talk about then from that time on, the difficult weather conditions and environments of, of going into a tournament. Then we come to a giant full stop on the planet with 2020 and COVID. And then obviously with that also, we had a big shift in Australia where we went from a really dry environment on the east coast of the country to a La Nina event, which is the complete opposite. where We've got more water than we know what to do with in terms of annual rainfalls. And we had, you had the complete opposite conditions. You still had to maintain a golf course, obviously. You might not have had a tournament to worry about, but as you pointed out just before, the everyday expectation of the membership is there. That's pressure in itself. How was the Aussie to look after and maintain with weather conditions on the flip side? Yeah, see, the benefit to that site in itself, um, because it's a purpose-built site, you know, it can rain, but in a few, in a few moments that, that rain has dissipated. The bunkers are, were the issue with, with the, the lining and, and all of that, but Playing surfaces, you could have 30 mil and then you can drive a cart down the fairways in you know, two hours. And it has the benefit of being on Sydney's version of our sand belt, which is the eastern suburbs being all sand. You know, yeah, we've got correct. more parks there, East Lake. We've got the Aussie, Bonnie Doon. I mean, they're all there, uh, Rose, no, I say Rose Bay, Royal Sydney at Rose Bay. They're all on a sandy site. So you have that inherent benefit just the same. But managing grass now, you've got great rainfall. Uh, you've got to be cutting grass or in some instances trying to slow its growth down through yeah. methods. Yeah, that, that, that's where your chemistry has come into play. You know, you, 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 you jump on the, the, the primos and you jump on the, the uh, plant growth regulators and, and you understand how to manipulate nitrogen in your plant to produce growth and, and to slow down growth as well. And, again, that, that just comes down to knowing your site, uh, yep. which – I, I'm really struggling over here in Perth at the moment because I don't know the site yet. It's it's all a learning. <laughs> learning oh, you're t- yeah, you're telling me. But the, the 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 challenge of 2020 with the COVID that that really put a a full stop on travel, put a full stop on on everything else, but people playing golf and well, that it's an important point you mentioned because those listening to this podcast that. Uh, golfers or that are, are, are greenkeepers from other states and in particular I'll mention Victoria because the, there were two very different schools of thought between New South Wales and Victoria for example where w- 
we're all suffering from the, the, the difficulties of, of COVID and, and not being able to do certain things in life. But one of the main differences was New South Wales, you were still able to go and play golf, albeit with some restrictions on them. And in Victoria, it was complete, complete no. So we still had to, you still had to present a golf course at the Australian for your members that were still playing. Yeah. And I had never seen the golf course so busy, Steve. It, it, from, from sunrise to sunset, groups of two going out every five minute intervals. It was like, wow. So okay, a lot, I haven't seen these members in, in ever. <laughs> well, and a, and a lot of people, and I've spoken to people from Victoria and Greenkeeper superintendents and, and it was, it was, they still have to maintain a golf course, but you, you kind of could just back down things a touch because there was no reason for golf that you had to present a, a certain level of playability as opposed to maintaining a golf course. Mm. So in Sydney, all I've heard from so many people was we've got more golfers than we know what to do with, even though there's restrictions on how many can play. It's their first light to sunset, yeah. you know, in twos with no all the all the things that you can't have and can't do and keeping distance. But they were playing golf. That was their version of exercise, and that's what they were allowed to do. So you still had to work in between golf. It was a really weird situation. Yeah, and then throw the split teams and split shifts into the into the mix. Yeah, look, uh, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the superintendent um, to go through that because that would have been a real difficult time. But you know, we got through, and and everything's for the better now. Yeah, very much so. Very much so, mate. Now, that's a lot of your your time, and you talked about the the things that you learnt and the, the benefits in the value and experience from doing the, the tournament prep, being part of a wonderful team uh, under Phil Beale at, at the Australian and, and doing those extra bits of study and so on. Now you've got this opportunity of Royal Perth. And we, when did you leave Sydney, for example? When did when you went, I say you lost two, two, two weeks of your life in getting across the Iron Curtain over into WA. Tell us a little bit about the journey just to get over there, what it took to make a move because we're still essentially in the difficulties of COVID. Yeah, so this has probably been the most challenging time of my life. The The job came up in, in March of this year and put the application in, went through the process, um, um, went through an interview and then they decided to fly me out and have a look at the site. So, oh, and that was when you could travel in WA, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. So funny enough, Steve, so the, <laughs> I, I flew out the week before the um, conference up on the Gold Coast. Oh, yep, yep. So I flew into Perth on the Thursday, had the site tour, took photos, met people uh, and flew out on the Friday night back to Sydney, flew back up to the Gold Coast went through the conference and preparing the report and, and whatnot for the, the next round of interviews, go through that, um, yeah, get, get offered the job, which, again, was a real shock to me because uh, a 30-year-old from Sydney, you know, started at Bardwell Valley Golf Club and here I am, I've been offered the job at Royal Perth Golf Club. It's like, hmm, wow. How Humble beginnings, work hard and reap the rewards and, you know, anything is possible. And, and yeah. you've been offered this gig at Royal Perth as superintendent. That's a wow moment. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, it was. So I sat down with my my partner at the time and said, "Look, this this is um, this is one of the opportunities that will not come around in, you know, uh, a, a, again, really. So we need to sit down and really reassess if if this is if this is it, this is it. So." You know, we decided. Yep, okay. Let, let's let's sign that contract. So I signed the contract in August. You know, due to fly out August twenty seventh. Um, we gave the month months notice at the Australian Golf Club, and you know, August twenty seventh came around, and border restriction after border restriction after border restriction. Um, so, in all, all all honesty, we put sixteen applications to get into WA. Sixteen, yeah, sixteen G two G applications to get across, um, and and due to where we were living, we put all all of our belongings into storage because we th- thought we we're flying flying out in um, in August. So from August until Monday this week, so that's a five month period. I've been living out of a suitcase. Oh my god! And look, I'm okay. not going to say that. That's that's just astonishingly difficult. And I'm not going to say that that's a walk in the park because we know in Australia we've seen it on the news how terrible it's been for people with loved ones yeah. that can't yeah. visit and and you know sick family members and it's just horrendous. But you're in this trying to change your life moment with you you know what's been offered to you, and you can't get. Across, like everyone else, you, you're stuck. You just keep applying and hoping for the best, yeah. fingers crossed, and, and it's always a no. So we're in yeah. December. We're just before Christmas, and yeah. you you are now on the ground. Yeah, so week by week we're living, we're putting application in, we're getting rejected. Um, we get a call to say, look, you'll be coming, but your partner won't be. It's like, okay, maybe this isn't the right option. Right. Um, we, we get an email and a phone call to say, do not put another application in. You'll not be accepted. Your job is not uh, a necessity. You're not essential worker. Okay, so we don't put another one in. Um, McGowan comes out to say, borders will be opening. We're going to drop the restriction from extreme to high risk. And we thought, you know what, this is our opening. Let's put another application in. We get a phone call on a Sunday afternoon from the WA police to say, you're coming on Friday. Wow. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. We knew this was coming, but to go from rejection after rejection after rejection to you're coming on Friday, it just, everything hit at once. It's like, oh, now I have to say goodbye to my friends, my family and everyone for... I dare say f- close to to minimum a year at least. Before yeah, because start start to open up again. Because now you're there, you can't risk going out because you won't be able to get back. Exactly. I don't think the club would allow that either. So yeah, and that's fair. Yeah. Look, I, I'm on a I'm on a great holiday. The the day I landed, um, it was quite hot. So we spent two weeks in quarantine with a window that opened an inch to get fresh air in. Uh, that that was a struggle. But, wow. um, yeah, to, to step foot outside that hotel room once the quarantine was over, you know, it's been 36, 32, 34, <laughs> 38, 40, 42. It's like, wow, okay, I've stepped straight into hell from <laughs> from doing nothing. 
but I, I can't complain. I can't. I can't do uh, like I, I. I've hit the jackpot. Really, I'm a 30 year old that's got the job at Royal Perth, and you know there's been big announcements for Royal Perth for the future, and the club is on the up and up. Well, mate, that's quite. And I had no idea that it was that difficult i mean we all hear the stories on the news and like i said with loved ones sadly it's extremely extremely tragic in some circumstances but you're trying like i said you're trying to make this step to the next role and you've been offered the job you're trying to do everything follow the rules do what you can you just keep getting knocked back no 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 living out of a suitcase for so long and then they tell you yes on a whim at random and say that's it you're out you know we we get on the flight get on the flight yeah and turn up here and then you, you will lock you up in a box for two weeks until we'll let you out. But it's um, that's just quite extraordinary, extraordinary yeah. situation to get there. And let's go down this little bit of a path uh, about Raw Perth. So you've now been there for a couple of weeks and, and recently there was just an announcement from Royal Perth Golf Club that they've uh, engaged a, a couple of architecture firms to work together in Cruise Golf and Clayton DeVries Pont to look at, at the future of Royal Perth in some light. And, and that's obviously going to be, it's going to be slightly different. It's going to be a, a new path for them, I, I take it. I don't know a lot about Royal Perth, so I don't know what you can and can't say yet, but but obviously those names attached to its future. Now that's got to give you a bit of uh, a bit of excitement, <laughs> you know, a belly fire in the belly as well now. Yeah, for sure. So before I did fly out, um, we, I, I Harley Cruise was already sanctioned to be the uh, vegetation rejuvenation um, um, contractor, and I thought let let me go look at Kalara and you know see the things that Harley Cruise has, has sort of done, and looking at it, it's like yeah, okay, it's modernised. This will be great. You know, thinking back to when I did fly out to Royal Perth, it just looked tired. You know, it's a hundred-year-old golf course, and you know how trees just grow, and people plant things overplanted, and just the wrong tree in the wrong spot. It's just tired. Now to have these names um, tied to Royal Perth at the same time I'm at Royal Perth, um, it's going to be a great opportunity to to not only give the members at Royal Perth something that they deserve being of that royal stature but to create a name like this is going to sound a little bit um, um, egotistical of, of myself but to create a name for myself as a superintendent in this industry as well oh mate look let's not beat around the bull everyone's out there to to put a, a stamp on whatever industry they're in whatever they're doing in life that's that's part of what you're trying to do you're trying to make make something better and and also in a sense i suppose prove yourself i did the same thing at katoomba i we, we we had a developer spending lots of cash and and trying to build something special at katoomba and i was at the helm i was rubbing my hands together going this is what i've always wanted to do i can't wait and yeah. you know whatever that will be will be and hopefully i'll be able to put my name to it and and i think we're kidding ourselves if we think that anyone else that doesn't take on a superintendent's role doesn't want to do the same thing so you know 
you met, I mentioned those names. You talked about what that's going to be. I think this is going to be an incredible period over the next five years or so. I don't know what the timeframes are, but I'm just going to throw five out there and say Royal Perth is going to be the place in the West to watch to see what this is going to – because we know Harley Cruz through the announcements at Royal Sydney, for example, is part of the vegetation and Gil Hans design, redesign for the golf course. So Royal Sydney's looking at doing something special there. Harley's attached. We've got Royal Perth on the opposite side of the country involved with Clayton DeVries Pond. There's going to be something special there. You're involved at the beginning of all this. This creates, in my mind, a formula for something pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, it's early days at the moment. Where uh, at the moment we're we're just waiting on a few things to to come across to us. You know, border restrictions have really um, put a put a time lapse on what we should have been, uh, you know, up to in in our in our stages. But you know, things should change quite soon and. Once they do, we will have a direction that we're headed in, and you know now then it's just up to to the club to um, you know find the get the framework down pat and and sort it out. But like I said, very very exciting times yeah. and some pretty impressive names attached. Now, now a, a couple of things that I want to want to get from you a little bit, um, talk to us about a little bit more is one thing from a greenkeeping perspective, this is your first role as a superintendent and you've been through so much, uh, so many challenges, so much difficult time getting to be on the ground for it. What was day one like? It's only recent. What would, did day one feel like walking into, and I'll, and I'll make it a bit more casual, walking into the shed because I'm sure Royal Perth hasn't got a shed. I'm sure it's a, a maintenance facility. But walking into the greenkeeper's shed, day one at Royal Perth, you what was going through your mind? Yeah, see, uh, uh, this is a tough question to answer because I had been doing a lot since August. Okay. All, all, all this, the behind the scenes, the programming, you know, liaising with everyone, it's been happening since August. But to step on site um, on that Monday morning, it's like, okay, we've got a lot of ground to cover. We, we need to start now. If, if we need to get the golf course in, in, in shape, you know, it starts today and, you know, sitting down with the guys, talking through what we need to get done and, and you know, creating a, a framework for it. But it, it just felt so surreal as well. At the same time, it's like I'm here. I'm finally here. It's taken so long, but I'm here. Um, and, yeah, like it, I still pinch myself to say, you're in Perth at the moment. I look at I look at my watch, and I'm three hours behind everyone else. <laughs> I go to call someone after work, and it's oh, you know, it's ten o'clock at night. I can't well, call them. <laughs> here I was worried about sending you a message at seven a.m. Sydney time. You'd probably be lights out at three. Was that three four four a.m. four a.m. Um, yeah. <laughs> although you might you might be getting ready to go to work. Nah, look, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm first in, last to leave, and, and that's sort of head, so, head back, and that's why I like the sunset instead of the sunrise because I'm <laughs> at the golf course and you get to see the the different angle of the sun. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so, mate. I, I'm. I can just picture. I'm picturing that that first day face to face. Like you said, you've sort of been working around in the background, yeah. doing a lot of stuff. But face to face, that would have been a pretty cool thing. And certainly at the close of day one, 
I, I suppose was their thoughts of, you know, this is the guy that started, walked into a golf course at Barble Park in Sydney yeah, no <laughs> when thought. he was a kid. And, you know, now, like you said, you pinch yourself, 30 years of age, Royal Perth. Wow. Yeah. It, it, look, it's been a hell of a ride, but I'm there for a reason. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. That that's 100%. basically what I that's what I tell myself day in day out. You know, there was I, I think thirty two applications international for the role, and I'm here for that reason. So, you know, the guys are are great. Then they they they've got the program. They they they're awesome. But it's just I don't even know how to explain it, Steve. I I I still feel. Um, Still feel young, as well. Until I, uh, you know what? Until I go through a summer here in Perth, a proper summer. <laughs> that's when I feel my age. I reckon. <laughs> I think it could be a welcome to first grade. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> I think, right. uh, mate. Well, look. I think I think the lack of words is probably enough said in terms of how that makes you feel. You know, pretty pretty uh, pretty impressive stuff, which is so good to hear in your voice and and the way that you feel about those roles. And and like you said, you're there for a reason. The club picked you. And, uh, and I've got no doubt you'll be able to, del- to deliver to them what they're wanting to do and certainly the path moving forward with, with the architecture firms, as we just mentioned. So wonderful, wonderful time looking forward for Royal Perth. And I certainly, I for one, will be interested to see how it's all going to unfold. Mate, what I want to ask from you now is a little bit of what you know about Royal Perth. Tell us a little bit. You've only been there for a brief period of time. But tell us some of the, maybe some of the little features or characteristics about the course and, and, and what what you think um, makes it stand out a little bit as, as a wonderful place to play golf. Is it sand-based sort of stuff there? Uh, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so it's built on a sand belt, um, wall-to-wall on Bassendine sand. So coming from the eastern states, the Bassendine sand is a quite a different sand to what, what I'm used to. Yep. Um, but uh, the, what the standout for Royal Perth is, um, it's a unique golf course in itself because it's such a small site. Um, okay. I, 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 it's about 33 hectares um, right. from wall, wall to wall, and there's a public access road that goes um, sort of up the length of the golf course next to a freeway. So there's challenges that we face with, with that, with people coming across. Uh, and whatnot, but it's a unique site in itself. Has it got many undulations to the property? Is it, you know, does it does it have that? I don't know if I if I say a, a sand belty type feel down in Victoria with just you know the moderate undulations throughout the course, or does it have a couple of standout high points, or is it reasonably flat? What are we talking? It's, look, it's it's a reasonably flat golf course, up and back, up and back, sort of playing holes. Um, there okay. are a few mounds that have been placed around the golf course to add character to the the the, the playing surface itself. But yeah, it, it does remind me a lot of Cronulla Golf Club, just a flat golf course back back and back and forth. Okay, yeah. quite interesting. I, I think yeah. the way you you sort of mention the the subdued nature of the the site itself, I'm probably thinking that um, you know that the Harley Cruises of the world or the Mike Claytons of the world are probably going to have an interesting time with the club looking at what that may involve moving forward for them. I'm just throwing it out there because I got I can say that I've got no idea, but I think that, that sort of a blank landscape to me sounds like it could be something that they can really bring out that location a little bit more and make something pretty special. 
out of something like that. So I'm looking forward to see it. And and that really jumps into my head a lot at the moment. Is there, is there a place on the golf course, you know, so far, is it a, we'll go to the sunsets. Is is there a sunset moment on the course where you can sort of have a bit of a view across, or it's just a really nice tranquil location as people play their round that's, it's out there that you've noticed? No, not yet. The, the the real standout place for Royal Perth is the first tee. Uh, okay, it's about it's about two meters from the veranda of of the clubhouse itself. So you could imagine the pressure that people feel. You know, Saturday afternoon, guys are out having a few drinks, and you know, a new member comes to the golf club or or whatnot, and they shank the shot off the first tee. You could just feel the <laughs> feel the pressure. I don't. I, I haven't seen a similar. Um, layout to a golf course like that with the first tee basically on the veranda. Wow! You, know, you, you take you take that first step uh, step out of, out from the veranda and you're on the first tee. It's, it's immaculate. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> really. Uh, so actually, I'm I'm looking for. I'm going to do a little bit of digging on Google Earth and the like. I'm going to try and see what what's going on there at Royal Perth because I'm intrigued. I've I've never really been to WA into Perth to look at golf so much. So uh, it'll be a learning curve for me on a Google Earth way. Um, I do find that a bit of fun from time to time. Yeah, 100%. You get to see the layout of the golf course. You'll get to see it, it over time. I, I did a lot of research sitting in, in quarantine and sitting in my bedroom, um, you know, and looking at the site over time and seeing historical data of shade issues and, uh, and whatnot and what we do need to rectify going forward. And you touched on vegetation, and I, I've talked about it in past episodes of the podcast because I think you mentioned Royal Perth is, is quite an old golf course and, and people do plantings and things grow. It's, it's a moving target, as I always say, a golf course, that, that things grow and, and it does change the way a golf course feels. It changes the characteristics. You can come back after 10 years having not played at a golf course and all of a sudden the tee shot's kind of half cut off because yeah. there's something jutting out in, you know, 50 metres down in front of the tee, for example, which never used to really be there. So is there a few of those sorts of things that vegetation-wise that the club will possibly be looking at as well, I take it? Yeah, most definitely. So we are undergoing some tree works at the moment to take out the non-Indigenous species on the golf course and any sort of poor specimens across the place. We're basically just waiting on the the designers and architects to come across with a master yep. plan to say this is what we're doing at the moment we're just taking out the dead wood the dead trees and, and any sort of non-indigenous uh species and the safety the side of yeah, the safety yeah, side yeah, of life definitely. and the environmental side of life yeah, it's always a, a key component that golf courses are working on but is there i suppose we're probably already answered it but i'm going to ask it just the same in the next 12 months what do you see sort of most important for the course moving forward for the club is it really just getting that framework from the architects uh the, the multitude of things we, we we do need the framework so we can understand which direction we're headed in um but the the the, the improvement over the next 12 months needs to be the playing surfaces for the membership because at the end of the day, it's great to have a designer and, and um, an architect signed up for the role. It, it's still a member's private golf course, and we still need to present um, the product for those members day in, day out to the standard of the Royal Perth Golf Club. And and that's obviously we're talking about the putting surfaces and things like that. What yeah, sort of what, what sort of gra- what sort of grasses do they have on the putting greens there? 
Yeah, so we have um, uh, 16 pen cross greens and okay. a few 10, 10, 1098 bent grass as well. Okay, so it's yeah, yeah. it's a mix, and then you throw the the nemesis of the power in there. It's that's going to be a challenging summer for me. Always challenging. And do you yeah. have warm season grass on the fairways? Yeah, so it's a Kaikeu um, golf course, which originally I've been told was a was a Cooch golf course that's been overgrown with kike. Um, so it's kike wall to wall, and then we have winter green tees. Okay, so do you think that that's something the club is the club happy with the Kaikeu? I don't think anyone's happy with Kaikeu, but it looks at work. <laughs> well, I was, look, I, I, I was being polite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I suppose I was being delicate. I, I could yeah. probably ask the question that I wouldn't yeah. be a fan of it was Kaikuyu at a place like Royal Perth. I yeah. won't let you answer that one and I won't let the club say anything <laughs> otherwise. But I I um, I suppose you, it's something that you have to manage and you, you try and deliver the best product you can at the end of the day, the best playing surface available. Look, because it's such a small site, being 33 hectares, that's a good defence um, for for golf shots as well. Interesting point of view, and I, I agree with that. I've talked about how much kite can really deaden the ball when it lands yeah, and yeah. you know, really shorten up how far people are hitting because there's just not a lot of release once the ball lands and the hardness of it. So, But a very interesting perspective, very yeah. interesting. Matthew... Mate, I'm going to close it on a bit of a high there as we think about and consider what will come to be of the future of Royal Perth as it walks that path with new architects and new superintendents such as yourself at the helm. You're excited. I'm certainly excited. I hope everyone listening that's a member or a visitor or someone that might get a chance to play Royal Perth in the future is excited about what is ahead for Royal Perth Golf Club. Matthew, thank you so much for being part of the Keeper of the Green segment of the podcast. It's been wonderful to hear your story. It's been great to see that, you know, the future ahead for you at Royal Perth Golf Club. You've made the, the difficult journey across the country. And, and mate, I wish you every bit of goodwill and, and, and all the luck in the world moving forward. And you probably don't need a lot of luck, mate, because you've done so much hard work in your career getting to that point. So, mate, I'm sure you're, um, you're going to really make, be part of making Royal Perth Golf Club shine. And, and I wish you all the best, mate. Thank you again. No, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, once you, you do come across, don't, don't be a stranger. Come and say hi. Absolutely well, mate. I've got a few states now that I need to make a journey to, and Perth is definitely on that list. Thank you very much, Matthew. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to an end of Keeper of the Greens for this episode, number 37, and also to the end of the year 2021 for the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. I just want to say how fantastic I thought that conversation was, that discussion was with Superintendent Matthew Souls of Royal Perth Golf Club. Look, Matthew is an absolutely fantastic bloke, a wonderful guy, very humble man, and you can hear in his voice what a journey it's been through his greenkeeping career all the way to becoming the newly appointed superintendent at Royal Perth Golf Club and what a future that golf course and that club have ahead of them and certainly one, like I mentioned during the conversation, I'm really excited to follow and I hope you are too. So look, thank you to Matthew Souls. Really appreciate his time and I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Matthew and uh, look, something you you know you might aspire to trying to get a game out there and certainly even 
following the path forward that Royal Perth Golf Club will be having on how their golf course improves with the new architects appointed and Matthew Soles. Matthew Soles at the helm being superintendent of the, the team looking after the golf course. So really excited by it and what a wonderful future they have. Now, I will say this, guys. Look, thank you to Australian Turf Analysis and John Legg, who are the partners of the Golf and Greenkeeper podcast for the Keeper of the Green segment. It's been a wonderful year having them on board as this segment has grown and evolved. And I want to say thank you to you, to all the listeners out there that have just pressed play, downloaded, followed, liked, commented, DM'd me, had conversations with me on social media, whatever, emails. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you taking all the time out to listen to my podcast, to listen to these conversations, the things that I've got to say and the things most importantly that I feel I can bring to you and hopefully you can improve your game and improve your knowledge base around green keeping, around golf, around golf course architecture and all the things that add up to enjoying the sport that we know and love and we certainly enjoy getting out there and play with family and friends. Look, I I just can't stress enough how appreciative and how humbled I am by having you take the time out to listen to these episodes. I, I never thought it would become what it has become and I'm so incredibly grateful for you guys taking your time out and thank you very, very much for it. I really do appreciate it. A big thank you also to the guests that I've had on the podcast along the way. Harley Cruz from Cruise Golf, all of the superintendents for Keeper of the Green segment, other guests, Ross Flanagan from My Love of Golf podcast. We've chatted along the way and there's been a multitude of chats that I've had with Lock and Leash from Finding Fairways, with Tony Ellis, the Nomadic Golfer, just to name a few. There's been so many people this year. It's been wonderful, outstanding, and I've really appreciated their support and their acceptance in coming on so we can bring to you some more insight of the sport of golf and some of those bits and pieces that are most entertaining. A bit of a round of thank yous, but also do want to thank my fellow podcasters in Ross Flanagan from the My Love of Golf podcast and also Rod Murray and Adrian Logue from the Good Good Golf podcast and I've had a couple of mentions by them, so I really appreciate them mentioning me on their podcast and Roscoe being part of this podcast and I've been part of his podcast as well. Please go out there and listen to them on both My Love of Golf podcast and also the Good Good Golf podcast podcast if you haven't heard them if you haven't listened to them before go and search for them and listen to them download and listen to a couple of the episodes you will enjoy them to no end i promise you very insightful very enjoyable and entertaining along the way so i just wanted to thank those guys as well i really appreciate their assistance guidance and support and here's a random tidbit and a quick little note i've now hit into the top 10 of golf podcasts in australia on Apple on the Apple podcast charts. I can't believe I made the top 10. So certainly jumping up into number eight has been so amazing to see that. And I again, so thankful for everyone who listens and downloads and and subscribes. I really appreciate time and effort. And last but certainly not least, a big thank you to my wife, Bree and daughter, Savannah. I really appreciate their support in in getting me to spend the time to do all these podcast recordings, to to put all the time and effort, to bring it all together, to put it all together, to bring it ultimately to you without their support in doing it week in, week out, I certainly wouldn't be able to bring all this stuff to you. And, and I'm so grateful to have them in my corner 
every time I sit in the little recording studio that I've kind of built myself here that um, I've, I know I've got them backing me and doing it along the way. So without them, I know that I wouldn't be able to bring this to you and certainly having, you know, little Savannah, 16 month old now that she is and all the things that, that um, go along with a newborn and, and a, now a, a toddler, she's up and walking about. It's great. It's amazing. I certainly love to be able to, to enjoy watching her grow, but having Bree being able to support me and, and being able to bring this to you is something that I'm most grateful for and uh, is a big help in me spending the time to build these podcasts and bring them, put them all together. That's an end for, like I mentioned before, 2021. So you enjoy yourselves wherever you're playing golf in the last couple of days of this year. If you do get a chance to get out there, enjoy your New Year's Eve. Stay safe. And I really, really look forward to catching up with you in seven days' time where I'm going to bring you a new segment of this podcast. So stay tuned. Come back to me next week after you've enjoyed a New Year's Eve and a New Year's Day. Kicking back. Hopefully we get some cricket or something in as well on top of our golf. You hit them clean, we'll keep them green, as I always say. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you on the flip side in 2022.